If I see a property at 20,000 and the comps suggest that I can sell it for 40,000 quickly, then I would do the deal. Now, if the comps are suggesting that it would be 35,000 or 32,000, there could be a little bit of money there, but I don't generally do those deals because I like to have protection on the downside. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yeah, I'm excited for today's, I must say lesson, but it's not a lesson, today's discussion. Yeah, it can be a lesson in a way, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's a discussion about land, uh, land flipping. Wow, yes. how original. <laughs> it is pretty original, yes. I mean, sometimes we talk about other things, but it's been pretty rare lately. The focus has been all about land flipping. I mean, that's what we do most of the day. We're flipping land, we're buying and selling properties. And uh, we figured, why not just talk about it? I had like a visual of you like physically like flipping, flipping the land. land like, like flipping the table? Yeah, you exactly. You flip the table? No, no, that would be kind of weird. I always thought that would be funny. Like if you're so angry, you know, you see in TV shows oh, yeah. and stuff, you're so angry, someone just flips the table like, over. Isn't it so ridiculous? But how fun to be that actor, you know what yeah. I mean? That gets to like flip the table, like I she's might just do had that. it. I might do that sometime just to really, you know, spice this podcast up and try to get some more downloads. Okay, that sounds good. flip the table. Like get so angry with me that you flip a table. (laughs) But you have to make sure it's nothing serious. Like that's that's the beauty of it. Maybe like something ridiculous like I can't even think of. Or we could do it at a holiday party. That would be kind of fun. (laughs) Christmas Eve party. Like, you know, we could stage a big um, disagreement. A big disagreement. The Mm -hmm. funny part is that. We're both not very um, volatile like that, so it would really be confusing to our family. And yes, friends. we're like the middle kids, so we keep the peace and we, you know, take care of everything. So that would be like shocking. Yeah, we should do it. We should do it. We should actually do it in front of our kids, just to, like to really shock them. I know they would not know what to. They're, I mean, they're old enough now. It's not like they'd be little kids; they would get the joke afterwards. Yeah. But actually, they listen to this, so you just messed us up. We can't do it now. Okay, wait, we could do it. We have a week to do it right before this. Yes, goes live. that's right. Okay, we'll okay. let's get on it. Um, okay. That's funny how like one thing can trigger some, you know what I mean? Like it, a visual, like, yeah, but I learned that I have those kind of random thoughts. You don't, hmm. they call them, I don't know. There's some sort anger, of anger. You mean anger? Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, um, I can't remember what the word is. You guys have heard like people talk about it, how they're like, um, my brain jumps to the worst case scenario mm. or like thinks of these things where you don't No. like, I'll see something. I'm like, oh my gosh, that like person could have crashed and blah, blah. blah. And you're like, okay, I did not see that play out, well. but. My brain is skewed towards the positive side. Mine's of things. to the negative. It's always the positive side. Right. Like, oh, this would be great. You know? It'll but- be fine. And I'll be like, it's like the house is burning down. And you'll be like, it, don't worry. It'll be fine. Well, it's a good thing I'm evaluating the deals. You right. Know, for the right? most part. Because- but that's actually a good, that's why you need that, like, you know, yin and yang. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it, it's you do a, need both parts. <laughs> yeah, because like I look at it like I don't like risk. Actually, that's kind of what plays into this today. Mm-hmm. Actually, today's discussion really is that you look at it. I think without me as an influence, you would probably take more risks because mm-hmm. you could see more. Mm-hmm. And without your influence, I would probably never buy anything. Could be the case. Right. Uh, well, today, why don't we just that's a good segue into yeah. this. What is our topic going to be t- today, Heather? Land to avoid at all costs. Now, you yeah. didn't write that on my cheat sheet. Oh. You wrote just land to avoid. Okay. But I see on yours, you wrote at all costs. Yeah. So I want to be dramatic about it. You know, you got to be really dramatic in order to get the, the views on YouTube and the downloads. It's kind of a crazy society don't we even, live in now, isn't it? Don't get me started on that. I mean, our past life. Yeah. That's kind of why I couldn't like... I couldn't stomach a lot of stuff because it was like they were people are doing absolutely insane things to get views. What's a what's an example of that? No, I can't go there. I have too many friends in that influencer world that I have extreme loyalty. Like, so I know so much behind the scenes crap. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about because you don't have that same loyalty? So have at it. Okay. Well, I remember. Oh no, one. this is scaring me. I remember one story. You're getting story. excited. Now, this is kind of when we decided, like, hey, this is this is a little too crazy. Um, we were on a trip, a travel blogging trip, 
And it was at the greatest, one of the greatest places on earth. You can figure that out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, but it was a trip. It was organized with a lot of other people that were, some people were YouTubers, some people were bloggers, some people were just had, you know, big social media accounts and things like that. They were all invited to one of the new openings of of one of the attractions, I think there and and a number of other things, but one. It's jam packed. You're like from morning to night, you're jam packed, but you're Mm -hmm. a content creator. So you're, you're collecting all the content, right? Right. Yeah, so we went on this one um, attraction ride, I guess you could say, where it was a boat ride. You know, it was it was an indoor. Oh, I know boat what you're talking ride. about, but I'm not right. giving away any more. It than was that, an yeah. indoor boat ride, and the crazy part about this was, you know, we were just noticing that some of these people were just doing some crazy things, to, and it was obviously all set up and all just for views and fake and kind of sickening in a way. Yeah, but they were starting to, we noticed they were like not endangering their kids, but it was like, we've been very careful about our protecting our kids. You know what I mean? It was over the top. Right. Yeah. So we noticed another boat, I think it was a different boat in front of us, but they were right in front of us Mm -hmm. and they had a big YouTube channel and everything. So everything, you know, filming everything and everything was for views and everything is kind of over the top. If you're specific, people will know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, what happened was (laughs) one of the kids. Now he's scared to say it. (laughs) No, one of the kids in the family was like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And they thought this was the most hilarious thing. They put the kid like standing on the front of the boat and peed into the, into the, the it water. was a boy into, child, so yeah, there was into a lot the, of things. Into one of these rides that we're on, like a major ride. And they're filming it the whole time. I'm not filming probably the details, but they're filming it and, and you know, made a big deal about this. And it's just like crazy. You know, that's when we were like, we're, we're out. I, t- I turned to Pete and I was like, I just can't. And I, I know this doesn't sound like that doesn't sound that outrageous, except for that when people are coming, like at that point, we considered ourselves majority travel bloggers. Mm-hmm. So my, our goal was to create content that helped people plan their trips. It That situation does not help anybody plan a trip. No. It's just as disgusting. Mm-hmm. It was gross. It was putting their child in a position that they shouldn't have been in. In public, it was a boy child. I already said that, right? So right. you can see how, I mean, boy or girl, but whatever, it was what was happening was just like, and I don't think I'm like that conservative in the sense that it's like, oh my God, they showed that. But it was just like, that's gross. What the yeah. hell are you doing? It, there was, it was just obviously an attention thing, a, a dumb attention thing. Uh-huh. And I don't know how we got off on this tangent. I'm but. still like, um, <laughs> I still, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Acquaintances, acquaintances of these people. Uh-huh. So I'm happy to discuss it with you guys. If you want me to tell you how disgusting it is, that's fine. Um, I just, I, I know, and this tangent, but there, this wasn't the only thing. There was a lot of things mm-hmm. like this. So anyways, real estate though, circling back to this, thank God it's just numbers. I have no idea how we started talking about that. Anyhow. I know. Well, because it's, pa- I mean, our past life does affect okay. our past life. I mean, okay. whatever, but um, this is numbers. So you don't have to worry about people. Yeah. Stuff like so that. if you're new to this podcast or you're new to just watching this, what we do is we <laughs> what we normally do, what we normally do is don't talk about random things that are unrelated to <laughs> land flipping or real estate investing. That's what we do. That's what we love talking about. And we try to provide as much value as we can in that way or just kind of talk about things and, um, you know, maybe get you, you thinking in some different ways. And it also helps us to think in different ways as well, which right. is nice. Right. And then you don't have to sell your soul to the devil to make money. That's right. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> Peace so, like, what did I so basically the model is, if you're new to this, mm-hmm. we buy land and we buy land off market. So we send out letters. That's how we generate our, all of our deals. We send out letters to property owners directly. And these letters have actual or actual offers that we send them. They respond. Some are interested. Some are not interested. Some tell us to go to hell. Some, no, I'm just joking. I mean, so they probably they do. do in, 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 <laughs> in like, lots of creative ways. Too. But anyhow, so some people are interested. Some people are not. We end up negotiating deals with some of these people. And then we buy the property off market. And then we put it on the market sometimes after some minor improvements or sometimes after some value add, as we call that. And we list it with a real estate agent. We resell that property for, you know, a pretty aggressive price. So it will sell quickly. And that's about it. So we buy and sell lots of properties. Yes, but you forgot an important part because we just talked about like a past life. But Mm. you should refer to the fact that you've been in real estate since for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this was kind of a side quest that we did for a while. Yeah, well, it was a new area that kind of opened up to us. We, We had no idea this this business model even right. existed or anything similar to it. But you've been in real estate for probably 20 years now. Yeah. 
coming up on 20 years, right? Yeah. You yeah, flipped I mean, houses. Yeah. We started flipping homes probably around 2003-ish, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably when we flipped our first home. And then- If you're wondering, my, we're each 25. So we started when we were right, five. Right. Very young. Very, very young. <laughs> Doogie Howser of real estate investing, right? Yeah, exactly. We, yeah. Were, we were- It was- were we teenagers or do we want to be even younger, huh? I wanted to start when I was a teenager. I saw those Carlton Sheets infomercials and I think I, I did buy Carl. I did buy that program and I bought a number of others. I just never took action right you away. You know what I liked um, was that Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. That Robert oh, yeah. Kawasaki, is that who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so anyways, we had, we had some side things that we did, but you have been in real estate at one point. Oh, and then you've helped investors purchase. Yeah, I've, I've, been, a, I've mm-hmm. been a licensed broker in California since 2006. And you did ARIOs, which is real estate owned. So it's like you did helped... Um, during the Great Recession or whatever they call the Great uh, People call that so many different things now. I'm like, wait, what are you referring to? The big market crash. Right, I know. the big. That's what I call it. So you did that, did short sales. You've done um, BPOs, which is broker price opinions, which is not just to brokers, but agents could do them too. So you've seen it all. And then the one side you're super excited about doing more with is commercial. Mm-hmm. I oh, was yeah. quite that Yeah, that's, that's kind of um, where I see things going. And also I want to get into kind of renewable energy investing, you know, that would be like developing solar farms and things. Yeah. And I let it out um, a little, not a little secret. That's weird. It sounds like a lot, a lot more serious than it is, but I would love to figure out how to help with the people experiencing homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big housing crunch going on in, in kind of that that area of the market. So I think that there was some creative solutions. You might mm-hmm. be the one to solve it, Heather. Probably not, but thank you. I don't know. I will see how much coffee I have if I want to claim that or not. You know what I mean? Like that liquid, it's liquid courage, but in a totally different way. Yeah. So um, Jet fuel. Yeah, exactly. Now this whole discussion started because we were talking about how we see a lot more people trying to force a deal. Mm, have you noticed yes, that lately? I have, yes. And so that spurred to us we should talk about land to avoid. And, and here's the thing. At all costs. At all costs. Yes, exactly. Because we need to make this super dramatic. Um, is that there is always another deal around the corner. Mm, there yes. is. And it's don't force something. Like your gut's going to tell you no. Unless you're doing it for a couple different things. Your long-term goal. You think it's going to appreciate whatever. That's great. Did I just skip ahead? No. Okay. Or you're into speculation and you're into gambling. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when if you buy something that is something to avoid at all costs or something that you can't price right, that's gambling. That last point you had, I think, is really, really key. And this is this is kind of something that's always been in my mind, sort of. But I've always struggled, I guess, with properties that you just don't have all the data. Mm-hmm. So in those situations where you don't have good comps, you don't you you don't know specifically what this property is worth because there's nothing really similar to it. There's been no recent sales in that area. Sure, it might be a deal and you might decide to roll the dice. Mm-hmm. But that's like rolling the dice, that's the gambling part. Yeah, like, you're literally gambling. Right. And that's okay if you're into gambling and you're like I'm going to take a gamble and you right. go into it saying I am gambling on this yeah, property. Yeah, you're like I feel like this is so cheap mm-hmm. that I know this is a gamble, mm-hmm. but I feel confident. I feel confident in my chances here. So Right. I you mean, know. it's fine, but you have to admit it to yourself that, right. that it's truly a gamble. But the better the better properties, especially as you're kind of new and really getting up to speed in this business, are ones where you can document what it's actually worth. You've got some really good evidence that points to, okay, this is a very similar property that, that sold. Same characteristics, same area, similar size. It was on the market for this amount of days before it sold. Like you've got actual data that points to like a confirmation of what that property is actually worth. Mm -hmm. When you've got the data like that and you know you're picking it up for less than what that data suggests that property is worth, it's still a risk. There's always a risk in real estate investing, but it's it's definitely a, uh, it's it's a calculated risk and it's it's more of a risk rather than just an all out gamble. Right. That's, uh, you know, the way we kind of look at things. And, and it was a few weeks ago you said that. And uh, I, I keep thinking back to it because I've always struggled with those properties. I'm like, I think this is a deal. I just kind of like clarified that in my mind. Like, if I don't have the, all the data, then it might be a deal. But I, I have to go into it knowing that like this is a gamble. Like it, it may not pay off. I hope it would pay off, but it may not. So I decide on those ones where it's a true gamble. Like I might gamble $10,000 on, on a property that I think is worth 30 or 40, <laughs> but I'm not going to gamble 200000 on a property that I, that I think is worth 400000 Like maybe right. some people are comfortable gambling those amounts, but not me. You don't like to gamble. <laughs> no, I don't like really to gamble. It's funny because you're optimistic 
you're um, a positive thinker. You're always thinking it's going to be, but if it's, but you hate to gamble. Right. Like me, I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. I put a, like, I love to play, I just shouldn't say I love. I don't even know the last time I played slot machines, but like, I think it's fun to play like quarters, right? Uh-huh. But also, I don't do like the, I don't, do they even have quarter slot machines anymore? I don't know if uh, they do. I don't think so. Not, I know, that's not funny. like casinos that you want <laughs> to go into. Not in the, in the last 20 or <laughs> Maybe it's one of those years. truck stops, but that's funny. But you just need to know your personality and know it's kind of like lending money to friends or family. You go into it knowing I might never get this back, but am I okay with that? And most of the time, sure, you're okay with it. This is kind of like almost a gift. If you consider these properties that are gambles, Maybe you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to put, like you said, $10,000. I feel comfortable doing what some people would be like, that is absolutely insane. You're stupid. Mm-hmm. $10,000 is way right. too much. Right. And some people would be like, that's absolutely nothing. 200,000 is nothing. Mm-hmm. It's where your comfort level lies. Yeah. Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2000 passionate land flippers, leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. And and you just need to go into it knowing that. But don't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many out there, but whatever. Yeah, if okay. You, yeah. Yeah, so like you might decide, you know, while we're on this subject of gambling versus investing, you might decide that a certain percent of your percentage of your portfolio is good for those high risk gambling type investments. Mm-hmm. You know, the flyers, the like. It's like VCs, like how they do, they know that what only a a certain percentage is actually going to pay off. Right, that's their business model. Right, and they go into it knowing that, no big deal. Or it's the the stock market. You might put a certain percentage into something that'll turn into absolutely nothing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's part of your portfolio. That's cool. Yeah, but I think your point that you started with, don't force a deal. Right. You know. That's different than gambling. Yes. Because these are absolute no's. Right. So a deal is a deal, you know, like what, what's our criteria for a deal? Maybe we should start mm-hmm. off with that. Like generally as a general rule of thumb, there's always exceptions, general rule of thumb, we always try to double our money on a deal. So in reality, do we actually double our money on these deals? Uh, no, but like I try to buy a property for 20,000 and sell it for 40,000. Now after closing costs, expenses, everything like that, I'm not netting the whole twenty thousand as a as a, right. as a profit, but that's kind of like my line to to do a deal. Like if I if I see a property at twenty thousand and the comps suggest that I can sell it for forty thousand quickly, then I would do the deal. Mm-hmm. Now if the comps are suggesting that it would be you know thirty five thousand or thirty two thousand, yes, you know there could be there could be a little bit of money there, but I don't generally do those deals because. I like to have protection on the downside. Say I'm off. Some sort of buffer. Say say the property is yeah. Say the property is actually worth. I think the comp suggests it's forty thousand, but you never really know until you put these properties on the market. Say when you put it on the market, the market is suggesting it's worth thirty two, thirty three thousand. Okay, in that case, you know we're still going to be all right. You know we're going to sell it for less profit than we thought we would. But if you if you went into it thinking, okay, the, the comp suggests this property is worth thirty five thousand, but then then in reality the market is telling you it's worth twenty five thousand, you know, then you're basically struggling to make any sort of profit. It's just a big waste of time. So to have that buffer is important. And sometimes you hit those numbers good. And sometimes you even sell it for more than what your projection is. It evens but out. It does. Mm-hmm. But but I really like to have protection on that downside because. Hey, all we can do is our, our best, you know, shot at this, but the market is really telling us what these properties are worth. Cause these are not properties. We generally do not do a lot with the, you know, the subdivision lots where everything is identical. Mm-hmm. The comps are very well defined. You're dealing with properties that are unique in their own way. Yeah. They're all they all are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't been built on too. You know, it's very easy if you look at houses, you can comp a house that's in a subdivision where they're all the same size, the same whatever, even if they're really Uh, fixed up on the inside and remodeled and stuff, it doesn't affect it that much. There's like, you know, a range or whatever. Well, we could do this is a little better than this one. Okay, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's very similar. And if they're all selling, it's very easy to price them. It's yep. it's almost too easy. Yeah. That's why there's not as much Heck, opportunity. Can do it. Right. But that, yeah, that takes close. away the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at properties that are a little off, not off, but like different than the cookie cutter mold, there's more opportunity because they can't be just priced. It's a lot easier to justify higher or lower. Yeah. And the real opportunity comes in when you truly understand how to evaluate these properties and understand how to price them and just understand how to evaluate them is like where all the power is. And right. if you can do that, you know, 
then, you know, a whole world opens up to you. Right. And some people are just really like, they just get it. Like it just clicks. It's almost like this intuitive thing they're born with. Some people, it doesn't, but you can learn it. Right. Like, that's the, the big takeaway. Like if that's not your, like for me, like you said, I'm more pessimistic. So for me, I look at it all kind of skewed like dark clouds. Right. But I can force myself and say, this is not true. You know, look at this, whatever you look at it the other way and you bring yourself down. You're pretty natural valuer. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think it came naturally to me, but we normally can get without even you telling me most stuff I can get within $500 of whatever you're going to pick yeah. without even knowing everything. You'll just kind of like throw it out there and it's kind of like a joke almost now, but I didn't, it wasn't intuitive to me. I had to kind of watch you value and value and value for years and years and years. And I guess I should, we always talk about how you've been in real estate for that long, but I actually you got my been too. real estate license. I'm not licensed right now. Cause I don't want to be, but, um, Realize I don't like working with the public as much. Okay. So it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're either of those kind of ways, the more that you can subject yourself to somebody doing valuations, the more it becomes intuitive. So if you can listen to someone and and go through it all and see uh, how they're valuing it, as long as you're willing to absorb that information, it can become second nature to you where you're just kind of like, you're not even actively saying five minus three minus whatever. It's just kind of like seeps into you. So how to, which is, I guess, a good segue. You do that. There's not, there is. Yeah. And I've got a a great option for you, which is no cost actually. I know. Well, one of our big things is our land conquest community, uh, which you can find it at landconquest.com. And in the community, um, it's all about land flipping. We've got people that are brand new investors in there up to, you know, people doing, you know, a million plus a year in land flipping. So we're in there as well, hanging out and answering questions and all this kind of stuff. But I've also got a free training program that is part of the community. And when I say a free training program, I know your mind will probably think, oh, this is probably a crappy free (laughs) throwaway type course, but it's not. It's actually a full blown extensive training program, which I am giving away at no cost to everyone that's in our community. So there's no catch. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, nothing in this world for free is for free. So what, what's the catch here? The catch is that I would like to partner with you on your deals. We know that one of the biggest hangups in this business is that a lot of people, you know, they might have money for marketing and sending out letters and, and th- everything, but they do not have the funds to actually buy these properties for cash. There's no real defined hard money lenders in this business. That's kind of a need that we're filling. So what happens is what this program is, you bring the deal, you know, as long as it's a deal and we say, hey, we'll, we'll move forward on this one. We basically take the baton and run with it from there. So we'll actually uh, do our full due diligence process. We'll send our own money to close the deal. Then we will list the property with the broker agent and invest any money that we need to, to do the uh, value add. And then we will uh, get the property resold And then the profit that's left at the end of the day, we split 50-50. So it's a win-win. It's called Partner with Pete, partnerwithpete.com if you're interested in checking it out and submitting a deal there. But getting back to evaluating properties, we also do regular Zoom calls in the community. And these Zoom calls are me sharing my screen. Basically, community members submit deals that they've got that they're working on. And I take a look at that deal and I evaluate it just like I evaluate all of our own deals. So I'll share my screen. I'll go through all the different steps that I look at to evaluate these properties, give uh, my estimate of what I think it is worth and my opinion on if it's I think it's a good property or not, something mm-hmm. something that's uh, interesting or, or not to move forward with. So by going and watching through those Zoom calls, I think you're probably going to get a, a real exposure on how to evaluate these properties. Right now, there's probably like a library of 15 of those or something like that. So there's probably 30 hours of that content that you could watch through. And then obviously you can participate in any of the live ones we've got as well. Yeah. I think those are an extreme value. Our daughter actually helps moderate those. She's my co-host. Yeah. Co-host on that. And she's had an interest in this, but I think her growth, um, being able to value properties has gone exponentially just being part of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she's been, we've had her uh, doing some, some work on the uh, back end of our own you know, um, deals that we've got coming in and she's like nailing the values right on. Right. So that would be, I think your first step, if someone's interested, just sit and go through all that. And unlike our podcast where we sometimes go off topic, all of this other stuff is hundred percent on topic. Yeah. This is the only off topic you'll, uh, yeah. you'll get to. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and then, so you talked about the land conquest community. Did you talk about the course? Like, did you go into all of yes. it? Yes. Talked about the training program. I talked about partner with Pete and, oh, you know, also I should mention, 
that we are planning. Well, we've got a couple of other things planned, but we've got our business system, which will be released soon. That's what I was the thinking. land conquest business yes. system. And you know, I hesitate to call it a CRM. I know a lot of a lot of people call it that, but that's really just a piece of what's involved in the business system. Basically, there's a CRM, there's a website, there's phone numbers that are included with that. All of our business processes phone numbers are included for them to use on their mailing and stuff. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you just get phone you get, numbers. Yeah, you get. Five, he throws phone numbers out there. You get five <laughs> regional phone numbers included with the plan, and you can obviously, if you're if you're living in California and you're mailing, you know, the East Coast, you probably don't want to be using a California number because people don't I, like us. Some people resent us. I think we're great. We're mm-hmm. laid back. Whatever. Let's get into the. Oh yes. The, oh, I should oh, mention one other thing okay. too, Heather. Uh, something else that's in the works. Okay. That is not going to be free oh, as well. Geez, this is like I'm sitting here. Like I went blank. That's how I was like when I asked you. I was like, did you talk about that? That's exactly what I was trying to get at. Yes, it's our mentorship and you're program. You're looking at me. I'm like, it's a mentorship program that will be released. Maybe a couple months we'll be ready to go, but we're actually working behind the scenes to get mm-hmm. all that together. It's not going to be free. It's going to be a higher end program, and it's not going to be for everybody. Only those that are really serious about their business and really growing it and scaling it. And uh, so there'll be a really a lot of cool things as part of that as well. There's a, a need for like minded group of people who are really like taking this to. I have no idea what limit. Like we want to create an atmosphere and a community for those people that are taking it to, you know the not a million. We're talking beyond that. Right. I mean, obviously I'm not saying like jump to like 50 million overnight, but you work your way up there, but keeping accountable, sharing what's working, what's not working. Doing deals together. Doing deals together. Yes. Especially like the larger ones. Live like, events. All wow. Kinds of you, stuff. Go, you go your bad Are self. you going to attend? Yes. Okay. I have a feeling I'll be planning them. Okay. <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> okay. So yeah, as soon as that, but you don't want to release it till it's absolutely ready to go. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. So we're going to jump right into these rapid fire and then we have questions to answer at the end too. Yeah. We've got questions from the community um, at the end. So we're going to go through this land to avoid at all costs. And I guess I could start by just talking a little bit about our philosophy on the land we flip. There are really a lot of ways to make money flipping land, but we just focus our, our main thing is we focus on buying quality properties and then being able to list them at an aggressive price so that they sell quickly. So the whole model works because we're buying good properties that sell quickly. Mm -hmm. So we have to buy them for the right price. And then we also have to list them for the right price because if you're not listing it for the right price, unless it's a super premium property, it's probably not going to sell right away. Right. So. We're like a convenience buyer for people. So they want to sell their land quickly. They don't want to jump through all the hoops, all that kind of stuff. So we make it convenient. We're the convenience mm-hmm. buyer. Okay. But we're also not holding out for top dollar when we resell it. And no. there might be some things we do along the way, mm-hmm. might be engineering or septic approvals or lot splits or whatever like that or, or, or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. But the whole thing, the reason this works is that we don't try to hold out for the top dollar. And I can't stress that enough. You know, if it shows the comps are around like 60 and you say, well, you know, this one's special because I think it's special and I want a hundred thousand, you're going to be chasing it down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You're going to, you're going to run into problems. Hey, mm-hmm. you might get lucky and you might sell right. it for a hundred thousand. You might be right. But for the most part, you're going to probably want to look at the lower comps and then kind of price it around there. So then you can sell it quickly. Right. And the goal is to keep your money moving. You know, you, you take it here, you do this, you just keep it going and going and going at the end of the year. Hopefully you've amassed. Hey, we have all seen those properties, especially land that are, you know, maybe land somewhere with signs up there for years right? and it doesn't sell. And it cycles through agents. Right. And you know why it hasn't sold? It's because it's overpriced. I know. As soon as I've actually called on those and I'm like, holy, there's nothing that even substantiates that. But you know what? That person did the gamble thing that we're talking about. They're, they're like, well, I bought it for this and I'll just keep it here. And yeah, they don't really want to sell it. Right. That's not, I mean, they do, but you know what I mean? They're not a motivated seller. No, exactly. Their, their goal is not like, I have to sell this. That's not you. That's that's not a business. That's an investment. Mm-hmm. That's different Hey, too. you're a motivated buyer and you're a motivated seller. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? So, and we talked about there's many ways to make money with land flipping. We focus on buying quality land at aggressive prices. I like that you wrote that out. It's possible to make money selling problematic parcels of land mm-hmm. or generally poor quality properties. Right. It's possible. But again, it's, it's a gamble. Right. Yeah. It's anything's possible. Yeah, you can you can make money buying and selling crappy mm-hmm. properties, but you've got to be buying them really cheap and you've got to be reselling them really cheap. And to be honest, even if you're reselling it for really cheap, you're they're still harder to sell. Right. This is kind of like doing penny stocks. Right. 
Yeah, kind where, of. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to pay pennies on the dollar and maybe I'll get three pennies on the dollar back. Yeah. Land that has limited uses kind of falls in that category. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff that uh, that we try to avoid at all costs because you know, even if we can get it super cheap, it's going to be a hassle trying to sell it and it's going to take longer than we want it to. Yeah. And some investors, they really kind of only deal in that niche, you know, like some of these property types that we're going to go through. They look for those types of things. They just look for them ultra, ultra cheap and then sell them really cheap. Again, that's a business decision and they're yeah. specializing in something and they have special um, skills that the, that our type of land flipping doesn't have. I mean, that's, a, that's not to say that we won't. Like the first one you have on here is landlocked. Right. Where there's no legal or deeded access. So it's literally like this is the piece of land. I don't know if you can, well, you can't see it if you're watching the podcast, but anyways, it's like, this is the piece of land. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness this cutting-edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. And there's land on all sides of it. And these all have street access to it and you have nothing. Yeah. Yours is an island in between all these different and things. And it'd be great if it had a helipad and you were allowed to do it, right? Yes. I guess in theory, but right. how do you get your car there? You Drones don't. are going to be a bigger thing. So maybe that's the play here. Okay. So. that's Well, then you're going to be gambling that that's going to happen and in <laughs> these communities. So yes, there's people that have set up businesses that just mitigate landlocked properties. Yeah. yeah they get access to landlocked properties. So there's a lot of there's a number of techniques that you can use to do that depending on the state or depending on what the situation is. But some people focus on that. They get a property like that locked up really, really cheap. They fix the problem and then they resell it. So that's great. But that's not your, what we do. No. And so and and don't go into this thinking, I'm going to be I'm going to buy this piece of land because let's say I get it for the normal. I get it for 20,000 and it's worth 40,000. So it kind of hits our target, right? Mm -hmm. And think, I can figure this out. Like, mm -hmm. I can I can make this happen. No, no. You, if you've never done it before, it's highly unlikely you're going to make it happen. Right. It's going to cost money to pay for a, an easement. It's going to cost time. You're going to hire people. You're going to, because even if someone gives you an easement, it has to be recorded. You have to have engineering come out. You have to have, it's, it's not just someone saying, oh yeah, Pete, you can drive on this. It's no big deal, man. Right. No. Yeah. Because also, if I give him permission, that doesn't mean anything to the next buyer. Right. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. I'm not going to buy it if Pete says, oh, but Joe always lets me drive on it. It's fine. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's an issue. You know, uh, there's a lot more. It's a more advanced technique. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of uncertainties about it, I guess you could say. If this is interesting to you, good. You've just found your niche. Yep. Maybe you can buy some to gamble on as you build up that whatever specialty. Very steep um, mountainous properties. This yes. is interesting because sometimes you can't tell. Well, we could generally tell pretty good. From no, until you get out there. Like I'm saying, like mm. just looking at it. Mm -hmm. Hasn't there ever been a time when you're looking at it and it doesn't look as steep? Yeah. Well, sometimes the contour lines and things are mm -hmm. off. You know, we look on Land Ideas, the software that we use to look at these and, and Google Earth. So sometimes the slope won't look too bad. And then we send a photographer out to the property and it's like, you know, he's got to get his climbing gear to yeah, actually like, it's a cliff. get onto the property. And the problem with that is that you, it doesn't look that bad in your initial research. So you've kind of like fallen in love with it. Like this is a great, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, this is good. I'm going to do this one. And then you get that back and you're like, well, it's not that bad. And I'm sure someone could do a, like yeah. a cliff house. This would be a great sledding hill in the uh -huh. wintertime. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't do it. Do you have more to add on that? No, I mean, just every time we we've, we've purchased, we've bought, steep properties, mm -hmm. you know, slope properties. And and I think about it, you know, I'm like, okay, this is pretty steep. As long as we get it for cheap, we'll be okay. Really cheap. Right. And Are then, we? <laughs> well, and then we go to resell it and I even have to sell it for a lot less than what I thought. Even mm -hmm. my 
my cheap. projections yeah. of like, okay, th- I know this is really slow. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to offer it really cheap. But it always ends up being less than my projection. So I really try to stay away from those properties because they're hard to sell. Who, who, I mean, there's limited uses for a really steep property. And um, yeah, so we, we try to stay away from them whenever possible. Um, has major on-site issues that are difficult to correct. This is funny. You wrote um, example like a toxic waste drums or a former strip mine. And I thought you said a former strip club. Yes. Well, that would be an on-site issue that would be tough to correct, <laughs> I think. But toxic waste drums... That's one of those things that, you know, you may see a bunch of drums on a property of 55 gallon drums of some sort of liquid, mm-hmm. even if it's oil or even, you know, who knows what it is like. Let me jump in because okay. this is like a thing for me. Mm-hmm. You might think, OK, I'll just take these and have a hazardous company come take them. First of all, mm-hmm. that's a super expensive. And second of all, there is a high likelihood that they've leaked. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to mitigate the whole soil under it, which means then you have to get like soil studies. And then they say they find something right. Then you have to dig up like huge amounts of gr- you, you don't know or. What if there's a stream nearby or there was a stream nearby that you can't see? Right. And people downstream are affected and are like looking who caused for who caused right. this issue. And you have frogs that are like, you know, not doing so good. <laughs> yeah. You've seen these movies, people. Yes. Don't do it. It's not your problem. Go don't, on. Now don't that I cut do you it. Off. Yes. Like some big corporation dumps all their drums on this mm-hmm. site and then it's your problem. No, in <laughs> the movie, it's that they someone sells the service and then instead of properly disposing of it, mm. they put it on vacant land so that they can take the money. Hmm. Don't you watch enough of these horror movies? No, Jeez. but that, that actually makes sense. So watch out for those 55-gallon drums. You know what else knows I what think? Liquid. What? Like missing people. Missing people? I've seen that. CSI. I was like, you've actually seen it? Yes. No. Yeah, exactly. There's probably 20 episodes where they've done where right. people have been found in they these like drums. They like jar them open and they're <laughs> in various stages of decomposition. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, You don't so, want that. No. <laughs> the other thing, fully wetlands. Now, wetlands are... An, uh, you know, can be an issue in some areas of the country. You're probably not going to find that a lot in Arizona or, you know, New Mexico. But some areas of the southeast, specifically swamp type areas, you're going to find wetlands a lot. And if it's fully wetlands, if it's fully like standing water swamp type property, there's limited uses for it. Yes, there are people that look for wetlands for, um, what do they call it, for it to offset building uh, Mitigation, yeah. 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 So there are people that will buy wetlands and things Mm -hmm. like that. But and there's people that use them for recreation and stuff. But but generally, they're going to be a lot less valuable than properties that are no wetlands. So it's common that a lot of these properties have a little bit of wetlands on them. You just don't want to buy the property to get the whole thing. Wetlands are very little usable property on that. We've, that land. we've gotten into this in deeper detail in other podcasts about how um, like look at the community characteristics. Like mm-hmm. if everyone has a little bit on there and they've built houses, it's just mm-hmm. how the community is. Right. But you want to avoid unless, again, it's your specialty and all you buy is wetlands or you mm-hmm. have a whole division on wetlands and you know how to do those credit, the tax credits for whatever it, or, or you know how to use it mm-hmm. yeah. if you choose to buy a fully wetland property then it's a gamble right there was one time we got one where like oh this is so this is awesome and then you looked and it was like literally just the middle of a lake right (laughs) wasn't that oh yeah 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 we've had a number of them like that yeah where it's just like you look at the property like because what happens is sometimes you get mail back Mm -hmm. you know like we send out mail some people send the mail back with like the signed offer we're like yes we got a signed offer right yeah and then first thing we do is we look it up on land id and then sometimes it's like, nah, nah, nah. You know, like, <laughs> you're like, it's oh, like, great. Now I know why they want to buy, they want to yeah. sell it for this price because it's underwater. Right. You know, it's not really land. It's like a lake bed or something. Right. It's not even the full lake. Yeah. It's not even, it's just like the, the innermost section of it. But. We bought a lake before, Heather. Yeah, we did. We talked yeah. about that too. Yeah, Only we'll, one. we'll have to I do a full done- episode on that. I think we've done more than one lake. Well, we've done one full lake, but then we've bought other ones. Oh, with yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. There was one that was another, it was about uh, 11 acre. It was probably 90% mm-hmm. uh, lake. And th- that one actually was good too. So it's kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. If we were buying for us, that'd be like really cool mm-hmm. to have. Yeah, it'd be neat. Yeah. Um, fully FEMA flood zone. If it's not typical for the area. Okay. So I like went into a little bit about that, but like if it's in the full like FEMA flood zone. Yeah. I mean, and, and that basically means that when it rains hard or when the, the streams or rivers swell, that this area floods. Mm-hmm. That like it's, they know what areas are going to flood and what right. are based off of the topography of the land and what's happened in the past. So FEMA maps all these areas out and then designates certain areas like, okay, this is the FEMA 100-year flood mm-hmm. zone. Like once in 100 years, it's going to flood to this point. Some areas are, you know, a lot less than that. Some areas are once in every 500 years, it might flood to this point. But 
Regardless, it complicates things for building. Now, some areas are 100% in these zones and there's houses all over the place. It's just normal for that area. It's just like when it really rains, uh, that area is in trouble. But uh, generally, we stay away from those type of properties if it's not typical for the area, unless we're just buying it as a simply recreational property, which we do sometimes as well. But it makes it difficult to build, not impossible, um, because there's there's tactics you can use in a FEMA flood zone. You can some areas will let you import some dirt to raise the, the foundation level of the home higher. Some areas will let you build on stilts. You know, you've seen that all by the, the some of these coastal areas. That's just typical for those areas. It's a negative on a property. So if, if we're, there's a lot of FEMA flood zone in the property, we'll, we'll definitely investigate it a lot further. And we likely won't go ahead with it if, if it doesn't have a lot of, if it's just a building lot. That's um, a lot more, people are, are more concerned about these it, these days. Mm-hmm. We're seeing more natural disasters and climate change and stuff. So there's enough deals out there. I thought it wasn't real, Heather, climate change. I believe in science. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So that was a good one. You're not going to bait me, Pete. <laughs> I'm not going down that tunnel. So anyways, it's just something to, another one of these things, don't force that deal. Mm, it's, yeah. it's not going to get better. Land under high tension electrical lines. This is okay in some situations if the land is big enough. Okay. So explain that. When I say high tension electrical lines, I mean like these giant transmission lines. It's not the ones running from like one thing to my house. Yeah. Like in the little areas, electric, you know, telephone pole ones. Those, mm-hmm. you know, those are typical, you know, all these rural areas have that. You know, when you've got these, these huge transmission lines that are transferring this electricity from one giant region to the next. It's common in these rural areas to have those types of things. But the problem is that that's actually, those things are huge and there's a lot of space underneath them. Mm -hmm. So you might have a five acre property and that takes up four out of the five acres. Then what are you going to do? Like this little spot next to it is like technically not underneath these lines and doesn't have an easement on it. But do you really want to build a house right next to these big transmission lines like that? No. And 99% of the population wouldn't. Right. For one reason or another. We actually had, um, side note, as we were living in, we had a, a transformer blue. Remember that mm, a few months yes, ago? Yes. I that do was, remember. That was insane. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't even a huge one. So right. me personally, there's no hope in hell that I'm going under the huge ones, regardless of any other safety issues right. that might or might not exist. Right. But we buy properties all the time, larger properties mm-hmm. where it might cut through the property. You know, it's a 40 acre property and it cuts through the middle of it. That's fine. It's just, you know, it's you're not going to get to use the entire property because there's an easement through that area. But it's uh, it's definitely not a positive, but it's something that we just build into our pricing. And it's not going to scare off a lot of buyers. No, it, that's enough space. And a lot of people are just used to that because in the community, I bet there's a lot of homes that have it going yeah. through. And like you said, they're not going to let you build right under it. No. So you just discount that completely. And some people would be comfortable with that tiny little space that they let you on that five acres, but 99% of the people would be like, no, that's not going to work for me. Okay. And then you say very strange shapes, very long, narrow, very odd lot configurations. Mm, Yes. You'll see these sometimes, you know, if you're in this business for a while, you'll see these type of properties that have these just like bizarre lot shapes. Like how did they talk about that a lot? How did it even happen that way? It had to have been that like either it was a family that owned um, a big chunk of it and then they separated off between family members yeah. And they left this like weird little piece that I yeah, I don't know. But sometimes you'll run into this or these have these really weird shapes, you know, like I don't it's hard to even describe like this one that someone posted in the community. It was just this really long, narrow piece right along the road. And, you know, it was not really buildable because it's not wide enough, but it's really long, you know. So, what are so you it doing? was like, yeah, it could have been like 100 acres, but it was like yeah, just, 100 feet across. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. That's yeah. not what, what the case was. But you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, you see that in big cities. A lot of times they'll be like, oh, look at this house and it'll be super narrow. Right. In in I'm talking like big cities. And it's because that land is, or that spot is so valuable to be there that it doesn't matter. People are willing to build the craziest yeah, stuff to, build something to fit cool it. in that corner. No one in the middle of nowhere is going to be crazy <laughs> enough to pay and be okay with a house that's like 10 foot by 10. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's true. I've heard someone say something like that. I was like, that doesn't, that's not, no. Yeah. It's not reality. No. It's not reality. Just don't. Yeah. Do, and that one is one of those ones where that's not even a gamble. That's just, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we'll buy properties that are narrower and longer. There's a lot of like lots in rural areas mm-hmm. like that, but you just have to build it into your pricing and know that you're not going to get like top dollar for that property. It's going to take a hit on the value because of the, the lot shape. So the very strange shapes, you should stay away from altogether. Right. But, if it's not buildable, that's right. what you're getting at. If it's not, or if it has to be such a crazy build that yeah. doesn't make sense. Something like that maybe would work for a farmer. Mm-hmm. Or it would work as an annex to a property owner that's actually touching it. Right. But, or an archery range. 
or a... Okay, a bowl, an outdoor bowling alley. <laughs> yes, something okay, like that. Okay, there we go. Okay, and then the last one you have on here is... And there's a, this is this list could go on forever. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot stuff. of different scenarios that can come up. Right, but this one, um, land that has failed perk tests if the property is small under five acres. Well, but Pete, come on, it's a good deal. <laughs> yes, and, and I guess that same thing would apply to land that does not have like a well is you can't drill a well in that area if there's no water source. right so similar type of thing you're looking at properties that are not buildable for one reason or another uh, obviously there are solutions if you fail to per in some areas there are solutions to have like a self-contained you know system uh, or to truck in water, water yeah. or things like that so that is possible but those types of things are expensive and a hassle and you we just got rid of 99% of the buyers. Yeah, exactly. So unless it's in a super premium area, um, you're probably going to have a hard time moving that property and you'd have to discount it really far in order to make it happen. So we try to stay away from those problem properties like that. The properties where you can buy them, you know, you see people buy them for a couple hundred dollars. They sell them for a couple thousand dollars. Mm, yes. You know, you can do that. You can. Like, like that could be your specialty if you're just kind of doing it for fun or you build up and that's just all you do. It's kind of like you'd have the... The penny lots. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could call it that where you're just bought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's. But we were watching this one movie. It was funny, actually. This is a um, month or so ago. It was uh, I forget what the name of the movie was, it was just in the movie theaters. But on it, th this there was this roadside motel in the middle of the desert and they had a vending machine, which was actually selling the lots right next to the. Right? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Ten dollars or twenty dollars for a lot. But, you know, these are like little square desert squares that. You know, and this was maybe the movie was supposed to be in the 40s or 50s, something like that. Yeah, what? Um, Asteroid City. Asteroid City. That's okay. it. That's it. So I had to look but it up. But I, I didn't go was, see it. But I thought that was pretty funny. That but yeah, that's the same. awesome. It's the same concept that it's like some people deal in these desert squares that really mm -hmm. have limited to no use. They're they're buying them really cheap from a source. They're selling them on eBay on payments or something like Just that. Just so, so someone can be like, oh, I own. Yeah, I own, you know, five acres in the middle of, you know. I don't know. Death where. Valley. Yeah. Any of these things, any of these you don't buy. Well, not any of them, but a lot of them could be you could specialize in it. And we've talked about that before, like, but you're not doing it to flip quick. Right. For the most part. But I know that like just as a novelty gift, you know, they were selling like a percentage of not really, but like you could be a lord or a lady in Scotland if you mm, buy. Yes. You know, you're oh, you own this but you don't really. Mm -hmm. Same kind of thing. Maybe if you did it in a novelty kind of thing. But is that a business? I guess it could be a business. You buy up tons lots of, of creative ways to make money. Unbuildable land and you just it's great for picnics. Mm -hmm. Anyways. OK, <laughs> moving on. Shall we hit the uh the yeah, questions. let's do the questions. Now, again, these questions are pulled directly from our land flipping community, which is called Land Conquest. In order to join our community, all you need to do is go to landconquest.com and there's orange buttons all over the site. Just press one of those, uh, answer a few questions that sign up, and then you are ready to go. You get full access to our community, all the questions that are happening in there, as well as our full training program, those Zoom a regular Zoom deal evaluation calls, which I suggest you attend or at least watch the replays. And then obviously we'll keep you updated about all the other stuff that we've got going on there as well. So should I take it away here? Yeah, take okay. it away, Heather. So Bergen says, anybody know the value of timber? I got a return call from somebody who has property where there is no activity for vacant land sales at all, but the land has timber. So I was curious how much value timber normally has. Can I inject my personal opinion? Sure, Heather. I can't control myself. I hate cutting down trees. Now go ahead. Right. I feel like the little birds, the ecosystem. I love trees. Right. So that's why you don't tell me about the ones that have trees on. We don't do mm. that. Do we? No, sell no, for we don't. No, we don't. Never do that. But I, I know some other investors that do. Mm -hmm. There's kind of two ways to look at that. First of all, by the, the way, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just telling you because right, I'm bleeding hard. <laughs> There's two ways to look at that. There are the properties that are specifically designed for like timber production, mm -hmm. meaning. It's like a farm that grows crops. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be soybeans, it could be corn, or it could be timber. Mm -hmm. You know, so basically they're planting these pine trees that grow quickly and then they harvest them every 15 years or something like that and then replant them. I think that's a little different than another situation, which are these fully forested ancient properties that right. had trees on forever and then they come through and clear cut them. That's true. That's very true. Like if, right. if it's like a, if it's intentional. Mm-hmm. And they take into account that, man, is it really 15 years or do you just throw that out? Because like, I think it's somewhere around I'm there. I'm so impatient. I would be like. I know that would be tough. 
I don't think you're going to get rich by doing that, but I think it's uh, one of those things where you can hold the land, obviously make money with the appreciation mm-hmm. on the land, and then you also make some money from that that uh, timber. Those and timber it's needed. I mean, we need yeah. timber. It's not like yeah, and it's know? renewable. It is renewable. It right. just takes time. And and in those a lot of those areas where it actually works, they're not having to irrigate either. It's natural. Okay, so they're not putting a strain on any other environment. Right. Things. It's just like they get a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. They've got the right atmosphere for it to like grow really well and grow quickly, and then they they kind of log them every so often. Yeah. So we're not we're not huge fans of the the whole clear cutting side of things. Um, but different areas have different kind of criteria for that as well. There's no real like, okay, timber is worth this amount per acre because mm-hmm. it depends what trees are there. depends how old the trees are. depends on the what need. kind of infrastructure and yeah. need is around there. Uh, like, like, are there seen. even logging companies around yeah. there that deal with this stuff? And the price for limber, timber. Limber? And, yes. It's like, <laughs> like a market that's yeah. always shifting. So one of those things that it's kind of, it, you can't put an actual like normal value on and say that's what it's worth. So, so you would need to, to consult an expert. Right. In that, in that area too. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Rafe says minimum average maximum profit per deal. What should be the target expected minimum average maximum profit per deal, including the closing costs and land agent commissions? Thanks. I could tell you what our average is over, you know, you know, each, each year. Or they could just look at the. Or you could good. look at their income in reports that we do. It. In yeah. addition. Yeah. We do income reports. And when I say we, I do an income yeah, report like, <laughs> every single month. I and, slave over those. Yeah. And you can find that at turningprofit.com. You can also find a video on YouTube that I publish every month about that. But in those reports, I basically describe everything that's going on with our land business, you know, like the revenue we took in, all the deals that we did that month, profit on each of those deals. And then I I keep averages as well, like year to date, here's what our average, you know, profit margin per deal is and all these kind of metrics that we keep. So very, very insightful if you're looking to see what's possible in this business. But as far as the average profit per deal, it's about 23,000 per deal this year, 2023. That's weird. 2023 is 23,000 average. I've had 20, a couple months 2024 where, is going to be an even better year. People. Yes. And it has been growing every year. So like the first year was like 20 or, or 21 and then 22,000. It's weird how it's growing that way. But I've had a couple months where it's pushed into the 30s, hoping to get it as high as I can. But so that's the average over all of our deals, cheaper deals, more expensive deals, deals that didn't go well, deals that went really well. It's an average figure, you know, and that's that's about over like 55 deals or something like that this year. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, We split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. And we look at it on on a property by property basis, and and really you have to look at it like how much money are you going to invest, and and what kind of return are you expecting on that money. So, like I said, our basic rule of thumbs, we're trying to do that double. Now, after you know, say it's a twenty thousand dollar purchase price, and we're going to sell it for forty. You know, it's kind of as our general rule of thumb. We're going to have closing costs on both sides you know, on the purchase. We're going to have closing costs on the resale. So, say we sold it for forty thousand, we'd probably net in the range of. 34,000. Mm-hmm. So 34 minus 20. So it'd be like a $14,000 profit on, on that type of investment, which, you know, if you're investing 20,000 and you're getting a profit of 14,000, you're getting 34,000 back. That's a really good return on your money. So as long as you're getting a really re- good return on your money and you're happy with that return, then you always want to keep uh, that padding for the downside though. So that's, that's one important thing to always keep in mind. Thank you for that. Pete. Yes. John asks HOA documents. For those of you who have dealt with properties in HOAs or POAs, how closely do you examine the CCNRs in the HOA documents? Is the HOA slash POA document required on the sell side? You have well, to read every inch of it. And yes, it's required. Go ahead. Yes. You should be getting a copy of these documents when you purchase a property. Mm-hmm. Now, some of these title companies, and I just actually dealing with this, uh, one of these issues today, 
there was some notes when we bought this property. There were some notes that there were some restrictions on this property. We looked up the restrictions and it was very minimal type things. And we had thought there was an HOA, but I believe our research told us that it was disbanded. I think that's what happened. But then it went financially defunct. Right. But then when we purchased the property, then we find out that there's a gate. So we're trying to get the key from these, um, the former owner. Well, we knew there was a gate, but we're trying to get the key from the former owner and referred to the HOA to get the key. And they're like, hey, you didn't pay your back HOA fees or whatever. So now we're going to be stuck with this guy's back HOA fees, something our title company should have caught, but they didn't. So, so who has, does the title company have any sort of liability? Maybe if I was to be a pain about it and, and to waste all my effort. No, I mean, to, they, like, I mean, they do. Probably. No, I mean, if, if they stated their, like, that's literally their job. Right. Title and escrow would need to kick in. But what you're getting at is that that would be lengthy, costly, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Would you have bought it knowing it had the HOA? Yes. Okay. The numbers still work really well. It's just kind of like, didn't right. know about this and great. Cuts into my profit margin. Right. And that's why you have your buffer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and Unforeseen you- things come up. So anyhow, if you find out there's an HOA, which should show up in your title search on the property, then you need to be asking your title company to get you those those HOA docs. Now, some of these HOAs are going to charge a few hundred, 500 bucks even to get prepare all these documents. But it's really kind of necessary to examine that stuff because then on the resale side, that end buyer is going to want to see that stuff anyhow. So you might as well get it out of the way. Yeah. And a lot of times like people will buy land to build or to put mobile homes on them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times HOAs will say you can't have mobile homes. Yeah. So if the, if your target buyer is someone who's putting a mobile home on it and then you find out you can't, you're screwed. These HOA docs, they'll generally have kind of the rules and regulations for the HOA, you know, what's allowed or not permitted in the community. And then you also get like the boring stuff, like minutes of things that are happening and things. But those are interesting to review as well, because you could see what they're planning. They could be planning to do a big assessment on the community and all the lot owners in that community where everyone's going to have to pay $5,000 to fix up the roads or something like that. So you need to know that stuff because you don't want to be surprised by any of these things. You want to know what the full situation is. Right. And they're going to jump on the new owner. Right. Instantly going to say, money bags, you need to, you know, we're going to do it now. Cough it up. Right. And no one's going to buy it knowing that. Like you you need to be, it's all about disclosure every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Person you bought it for from, I'm sure knew that he was getting notifications. Right. So yes. He he, left that part out. It's so strange. Um, There was an old saying when we were like, like doing, um, you know, like consumer, like when you were a selling agent or whatever Mm -hmm. it's called, buyers or liars. Yeah. And and by that, that, you know, you would, you would uh, have clients that would say, okay, I absolutely need a free bedroom, two bath, and it's got to be facing West and it's got to have a pool in the backyard Mm -hmm. and all the stuff. So you're like, you know, struggling to find this exact thing that they're looking for. And then they send you a link to a listing. I want to go see this one. And you look at it, it's like, well, this is a two bedroom, one bath. There's no pool. And it's facing to the east. Well, yeah, there's something about this one, you know. Yeah, I so. know. Or my, my budget's a hundred thousand, <laughs> and then they want to see something that's two fifty. <laughs> or I mean, every such way. But I think that the other thing is sellers can be liars too. Yeah, and so they are. You know, you go into it that we try to as much as we know we want to share. It's right. you know disclosure, disclosure. But you need to go into all these knowing that there's, I, you there's know there's going to be there's going to be things that pop up, and you don't want to let it ruin your day. It's just no, and you depending, deal with it. right, depending on the state, it used to be like um, buyer beware. Mm-hmm. But even if you're in a, are there any more buyer beware states? Mm -hmm. It's still your job. Like you need to be actively doing that. So anyways, Mike says, what has more success, blind offers or neutral? Debating which one to start uh, with in Texas. I only have a small test budget, so I want to make sure that I'm getting the most bang for my buck. I know Pete does blind offers, but any other firsthand knowledge is useful. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know what Mike is talking about, we're talking about generating deals. Mm -hmm. So we generate all of our deals with what we call blind offer, meaning we'll send a letter that is an actual offer price. So we hit them with an actual offer price. It's generally a low offer price. And then they respond. So the other method, which some investors do, is that they send what they call a neutral letter that basically says, hey, uh, I'm so-and-so. I would love to buy your land. You know, and I, this is the reason you should sell it to me and all this kind of stuff. Please give me a call. We'll see what we can work out. That's kind of the gist of it. So obviously that type of letter, that neutral letter is going to get a lot more calls, meaning you're going to have to have a lot more staff. You're going to have to sort through a lot of people that are not motivated to sell that are only going to want retail. The people that we deal with are generally like, okay, I know I'm not going to get top dollar. I'm motivated. I want to sell. 
those. So we're going to get less leads, but the leads that we get are more ready to go or more mm-hmm. more qualified when it comes to the motivation, which is the most important thing. It's just a matter of uh, numbers. I guess you could test both ways. I mean, most of the successful investors I know use the blind offers, but I'm not saying that the other way doesn't work, especially if you had, you were either really good on the phone or you had a team of people that are really good on the phone, or you had some sort of way to really deal with a lot of these leads coming in and kind of uh, were really good at that filtering process. You need um, a system in place. A system. I yeah. think you're trading time. If mm-hmm. you had, you know, if you have more time than you have money, maybe then I would actually do it kind of different. I would be looking at each lead. I would be looking at everything I'm going to mail mm-hmm. and do an actual offer. Yeah. Like a really, yeah, like really dig in before you even actually. Uh-huh. I think if I had the time, because mm-hmm. I could control that. If you get these neutral ones, it would be too much, conceivably too much for one person mm-hmm. to send out the amount of volume that you would need to make it make sense. It would be tough. So you can get but, yeah. a copy of our letter. It's in our training program. We give it away for free. So you just have to go to that landconquest.com that we talked about. So where can everyone find you on? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Reese Peter. Uh, also YouTube at turning profit on YouTube, you know, that little at symbol and turning profit. You can do that on YouTube now. And, uh, those are the main places. Um, and obviously we've got turningprofit.com. There's a wealth of information and stuff on there and then our land conquest community. So where can they find you, Heather? I'm it's a lovely life everywhere, but I don't really talk about real estate, but you're still welcome to say hi. So it's a lovely life everywhere. That's really long. (laughs) It's a lovely life. On your favorite social media app. Okay. How about that? Yes, that sounds great. Well, that was cool. That was cool. Well, great episode today, Heather, and we'll see you. Oh, we're putting one on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, you can watch this next one. I'm not sure what it is, but it's a really good episode. Is it here? Might be. Somewhere. Somewhere. Okay. Check it out though. All right. See See ya. Bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.